Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Everything is about to change. And that's not a political statement. No, I'm getting into something far more important than politics. Please. I'm talking units and cougars. You know, over the last couple of months, I have gotten a lot of uh, tweets and actually a few conversations from uh, friends and acquaintances who listen to the show. Man, you guys talk a lot of BYU football. Yeah, and we're about to get a lot of conversation over the next month. Man, you guys talk about a lot of Utah football. Why don't you talk about BYU? Events drive the show, people. The Utes didn't play. The Pac-12 didn't play. Kyle closed practices, much as everyone did. Uh, and so we we don't know much. We haven't seen the Utes. We've heard some stuff, but we haven't seen them practice. We haven't seen them scrimmage. We got nothing to go on on the other teams around the conference in the same way. There really isn't much to say. Now, as the Utes started holding these uh, three times a week Zoom calls, we started talking more Utes. They're about to start playing games, so we're going to see for ourselves, and we're going to talk a lot of Utes, not just about the Utes, but about their opponents because we're going to see games around the conference. Now, conversely, We've been talking a lot of BYU, and I hear you Cougar fans right now. Well, you should, DJ. They're undefeated. They're what? Right. And you were the only game in town. Like, nobody played, until the Aggies played two weeks ago, nobody else in town had played since the Jazz had been eliminated back in early September. BYU was literally the only game in town. Now, after this Boise State game, BYU, and it, it depends because Tom Homo could sign more contracts and play more games, right? Uh, but right as it stands right now, BYU has one game in a month, and it's a walkover. It's a money game. It's a blowout. There's nothing interesting about it. So there isn't going to be much to say about BYU for a month. There's going to be a lot to say about the Utes. So it's all about the flip, people. Or you can make a PK and I's fault. You know, whatever's convenient for you. As for the politics, uh, my wife has promised to uh, drive over me with a car if I say anything. So... Yak isn't even laughing. He's like, no, she would do that. Yeah, I can see that. That's fair. All right. What we're going to get for you right now is is not Kyle Winningham, but his defensive coordinator, Morgan Scally, meeting with the media. Here's Morgan. As we sit here just, you know, a couple of days until the opener, how do you feel about your cornerbacks? Uh, Shreve Shaw's done an incredible job getting these guys ready. Uh, We were uh, young uh, and uh, the, you know, the experience has to come in game time. You know, that's, that's where, you know, in the past, our true freshmen, that's where they learn the most is, is just game time experience. And this will be a learning experience for them. But uh, like I said, Coach Shaw's done a great job of getting them ready to play. And we're excited to see them, uh, you know, under the lights. Go next to Josh Newman. Hey, Morgan. Um, Kyle, at, at various times during camp, he, you know, he painted uh, the secondary as a question mark. He said it's a concern at one point. Do you, do you consider this group a concern or, or, do you, or do you remain pretty optimistic about them? Uh, always optimistic, you know, I, I also facing the reality that, you know, mistakes are going to be made. You're, you're going to have a young group out there that's going to be, you know, we're, we're very talented back there. Uh, but, get, you know, there's no 
replacing game time experience. And that's something that we're, we're excited for. It's not something that we fear or that we're, we're nervous about, you know, just it's, it's time to get them out there and time for them to, to learn what it's like. Uh, but like I said, coach Shaw has done a great job getting these young guys ready. We feel like uh, we're getting the, the, the right group out there in terms of the starters and uh, you know, developing the guys behind them has also been uh, a priority of ours, and that's coming along well. Just a quick follow-up. Um, given how the depth chart kind of shook out, were you at all surprised that Bronson opted to transfer, Morgan? Um, you know, in this day and age, no, I, I'm not surprised at anything. I, I love Bronson Boyd. Love what he brought to our program. He's a great, great young man. I wish him nothing but the best. But uh, that's just the reality of college football in this day and age uh, with the transfer portal and, and uh, just how things are. So, Next, Josh Furlong, followed by Trevor Allen. Morning, Morgan. Morning. Hey, uh, so obviously we don't get to see how the defense does by not seeing practices or anything like that. But how, how do you – how do you, as a defensive coordinator, um, uh, you know, check how the, the, the progress of the team is going, especially coming off of a year where, you know, you had probably one of your best defenses ever. Like what, what would be your general assessment of this team and where do you go? A general assessment is that we're just inexperienced, you know, but no one cares about your youth or inexperience. You know, Arizona's not going to sit there and be like, hold on. Okay. Let's go vanilla just for these guys because they're young and inexperienced that ain't going to happen. So <laughs> it's, you know, our job to, to develop and coach. And uh, we've got some really good coaches in uh, Louis Palcione Pua taking care of the D front. I already mentioned coach Shaw and, and coach Juan has already proven that he's, he's, uh, you know, worth the hire. So we're, we're fired up about these young guys uh, excited for live competition against another opponent besides our offense that we've been going up against for, uh, a number of weeks now. So it's time to get going um, in terms of, you know, how I judge it. We just, from day to day, every single day, you're trying to learn and get better. Um, you look at each position group and, and where can we improve? Uh, and right now there's um, a lot of progress being made and we're excited for game one. Next will be Trevor Allen, followed by Jeff Call of the Deseret News. Morgan, Kyle told us about the the uh, safety position. How you know Hubert's not not going to be playing much this year if he does. But uh, Nate Nate Ritchie's a guy who Kyle has talked about numerous times. What has his progress been like in in uh, fall camp and uh, leading up to the opener? Fantastic progress. Nate's a guy that really came in physically where you wanted him to be. It was just a matter of picking up the defense. Uh, strong safety position is one of our hardest to learn and be able to do it effectively. Nate's done a great job. You know, he studies on his own. He does everything that you, you would ask a young freshman to do that wants to play early. You know, he sacrifices his downtime to, to study ball and get ready, work on his footwork, work on his technique. So um, Nate is up for the challenge, and we're excited to see him play. Next up, Jeff Call. Hey, Coach. Uh, what have you seen from Clark Phillips since he arrived on campus, and what do you think will make him successful in this defense? Same mentality as Nate, you know, just a, a desire to, to play and be great, to study film, to know the, the ins and outs of the defense, not just your specific assignment, how your assignment fits into the hole. Um, so great work ethic, uh, very bright young man, and, uh, you know, we expect him to make plays for us. 
Next question from Sammy Mora, Daily Utah Chronicle. Hi, Coach. Um, how does having Blake Keithy back into that defensive line lineup affect how the depth is going to go with this season? Well, I tell you what, um, what a road and a tough road at that this guy's been on uh, with three knee surgeries, and I'm just fired up to have him back. He is a tough, tough cookie and uh, a very good defensive end, and it definitely helps out in the depth. Um, he's a guy that the past week has really turned it on in terms of just his confidence in his legs, in his knees, and uh, it's showing up in a big way in terms of productivity. So just love that kid. You know, the guy that's gone through adversity, that's fought through struggles, and, and, and you know, what a pleasure it is to have him back. I know Coach Powell's excited, and, and uh, we just want to be able to get him his first game time experience. Next, we'll go to Ryan Costeca of SI.com. and have time for a couple more for Morgan. Hey, Coach, how you doing? Doing well, thank you. So with the release of, you know, the depth charts, especially going into, you know, the first game of the year on Monday, have you seen, you know, maybe the starters or the backups actually elevate their game, knowing that they are going to be a major role moving forward, especially this week? Well, the, you know, the thing that we tell our guys is never worry about a depth chart that's, that's posted. You just keep working from day to day. The cream will rise to the top. And, and uh, if, if you have any question marks as to why you're not getting the reps that you feel you deserve, come talk to your coaches and we'll be very open and honest with you, you know? So um, this in, in this time, particularly in this time with, with uh, what can happen with COVID and, and, and guys opting out and all this different stuff, you know, you know, you never know when your time is going to be. And so you better be prepared. You better be ready. You never know when your number is going to be called. So uh, we love the competition that youth brings. We love the competition that, that, you know, depth brings. Um, and so that's, it's only been a good thing for us. Next we'll go to Josh Newman. Morgan, I know that um, I know that playing nickel is considered very hard within your scheme, physically, you know, mentally, trying to get that down. Do you envision uh, Clark at some point here making enough progress where he where he may move back inside to the nickel? All depends on on where we are depth wise. You know, uh, we feel very confident in Lone Monta LA and what he's brought. Um, he's definitely got experience at that position and he's gotten much better in terms of understanding scheme and where he fits uh, also athletically. I mean, he's doing some things now that he didn't do in the past in terms of man coverage. And, and uh, so, you know, right now um, Clark is getting reps both on the inside and outside, but uh, at the same time, you, you, you really want to focus a guy on one spot, uh, particularly when they're young so that, you know, they're, they're getting uh, ample time on the field at that position, knowing the ins and outs of that position. Nickel is, it's, it's somewhat of a hybrid position for us. You have to be able to be physical in the run game. You've got to be able to cover, you know, perhaps their, their best wide receiver in the slot. Sometimes they put their best wide receivers in the slot. So, um, you know, right now uh, Malone has done an unbelievable job and we're excited for him. Our final question for Coach Scatley will come from Chris Comrani from The Athletic. Good morning, Morgan. How's it going? Chris, how are you? Good. Hey, I wanted to see if you could kind of break down last year's in-season recruiting 
of putting this 2020 class together. I know in-season recruiting is a whirlwind because you're simultaneously coaching but recruiting at the same time. But I'm wondering, like, at what point did you and the staff figure out that, you know, what you had last year was was fleeting in a sense and that you guys really had to focus on reloading for 2020 and beyond in order to be competitive not only this year but in the coming years with these uh, 2020 recruits? Well, I mean, it, the recruiting is the lifeblood of your program, so you're always aware of it. You're always projecting. You're always, you know, a couple of years out in advance trying to figure out, you know, where you're going to be. I think the bright point for us um, that we didn't know is we were going to have so many guys decide to come back. Lucky Foto decided to come back, and uh, Bradley and I, all those, all those guys on defense decide to come back. We knew we were going to have to replace a depleted secondary. We knew that we needed to to bolster the linebacker the linebacker spot. You know, D tackle wise, we kind of knew where we were. The defensive end wise, we needed more depth. And so you look at the graduators. You look at who you need to replace. You look at not only the graduators, but you know where are you in, in your conference level in the depth at certain positions, and you adjust accordingly. And then you, it's all about relationships and recruiting and and finding out, you know, who the decision makers are and it's, it's recruiting from then on out, but you, you do have to project a couple of years in advance. And then there's always surprises guys that leave your program for whatever reason, uh, guys that you bring into the program as a grad transfer, whatever, and uh, add to that, the, 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 you know, return missionaries and them coming into the count. And it's, it's a, it's a pretty fun puzzle to put together. There's Morgan Scali, Utah defensive coordinator. More on the Utes and the Cougars coming up next. Next, it's a little BYU with the former Cougar. Now you see him on TV. Now you hear him on the radio. David Nixon joins us next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in David Nixon right now, BYU TV football analyst, former BYU linebacker. He's getting himself mentally prepared for a big game. David, good morning. <laughs> good morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting myself mentally prepared for sure. Locked and loaded right now. <laughs> now, if you were playing, how useless would you be in the rest of your life with this game looming on Friday night? Hundred <laughs> uh, <laughs> percent. No, listen. I mean, this is this is BYU Super Bowl this year. Honestly, I mean, this is this is the big one. If, if BYU lose this one, then you know, I don't know if they follow the rankings, but they're definitely not in talks for New Year Six, and uh, you'd probably get resorted to a, a lower class bowl. And you know, everyone, all the haters can say, "Yeah, we we told you right." Um, but if you win this one, then obviously the path looks looks pretty great. Although. San Diego State's looking pretty solid this year, uh, given what they've done in the first couple of games. So we'll, we'll be just see what happens there in the long run. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge game. And you've heard the terms tossed around, maybe the biggest game in independence, um, definitely one of the biggest games in Kalani Stake's era. Uh, but everything hinges on this game. And the fact that you had to head up to, to Boise, where you've never won before, 
uh, and all the storylines with Zach and the last time he's up there and any of the game on the goal line and, uh, you know, all, the, all everything he's learned from there. I mean, there's just a lot of storylines that go into it, uh, which, which makes it a really intriguing matchup. One of the things that I love about this game from the BYU perspective is that, let's just for argument's sake, they win. Then we know as of right now they got two games left, and the San Diego State game isn't for another month. So all these guys who talk about college football, the Herb Streets and the like, if BYU wins, then you basically get a month of free publicity because they're not losing to North Alabama. So they're going to be in the discussion pretty much the entire month of November with a win. And college football, the way it's set up, it's somewhat of a beauty pageant. And November is all about talk. You have the games, and then probably equally or close to as important is the talk. Who's going to get in the four playoffs? Who are the possibilities? Who's going to get in the New Year's Day six? Who are obviously more than four possibilities? But BYU they can't buy if with a win all the publicity that they're going to get for the next month until they have to face San Diego State. So it's a great opportunity to get massive exposure for your football program. Yeah, no question. And you're right. That's a that's a hand. Uh, what we're hearing is is you know it's looking like they're still trying to schedule another game in there. So I would guess it. Uh, whether next week or, the, or or after the Alabama game uh, or North Alabama game, I should clarify, uh, it, it, that it looks like we'll try to get one more game in there. But I think a lot of that's going to be dictated by what happens this week. Uh, if, if I'm Tom Homo and uh, you, you go out and beat Boise State, there's no reason to go try and schedule a really you know difficult opponent in the next few weeks because uh, you know you've kind of taken care of business. Uh, so there's no reason to kind of put yourself in danger of way. But if you do lose this game and you want to try to get back into relevancy, maybe he goes out and tries to schedule something more difficult, something harder that could help uh, boost your, your strength of schedule and, and get you back in that conversation. So, uh, like I said, everything hinges on this, on this uh, weekend and, uh, you know, Friday Night Lights, uh, which, you know, you heard uh, head coach Brian Harson for Boyden State mention he doesn't love Friday Night Lights. I don't necessarily love it either, especially right now in the year where you've got high school playoffs and things like that. But, um, you know, it is what it is. And, all eyes should be on that game. It's going to be, man, it's going to be a fun one. I, I, I had a similar situation my senior year. Uh, we were ranked actually eighth in the country, and all the eggs in the basket were on the game when we headed down to TCU, and we obviously know what happened there. It wasn't a great result for BYU. But I remember that week, uh, and it was a short week as well. It was a Thursday night game, uh, and uh, unfortunately it was on versus, so nobody could ever watch the game. But uh, it, was, it was one of those games where, yeah, to your earlier question, you were all in. I mean, you, you didn't think much else that week other than preparing for that game. So uh, I assume the players in the same position. It's a short week for BYU, obviously. Uh, any, anytime it's a short week where the game lands, it's also a short week for the team that's to travel because you basically lose uh, another half day of uh, prep. And then you add in yesterday with the NCAA not allowing the practices I imagine you guys have covered uh, that hurt BYU as well. And then, of course, the Sunday, uh, you can't practice. They, they won't allow teams of BYU to practice on Sundays. Uh, so really put BYU behind on this one. But if there's any positive news for BYU, you've got a very senior-laden uh, team, uh, a group that uh, has a lot of uh, seniors on the bat, on the defense and, frankly, on the offside of the ball as well, a lot of experience. So I think they'll rely on that to have them ready, uh, ready to go on Friday. 
You know, one thing I didn't know about that election day uh, deal and not being able to practice until Gary Anderson came on with us Monday. And obviously the Aggies have to play Thursday in Nevada, right? So Wednesday's a travel day. You can't practice Tuesday. He says, yeah, well, the rule is you can't practice after 10 a.m. Like, oh, that's a pretty big loophole right there. Yeah, interesting. I, we didn't hear that either. Um, and so because I, I know Kalani went to get a waiver and he mentioned that his post-game press conference that he was denied the waiver. Uh, for to practice on Tuesday, but uh, yeah, I, 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 didn't, I don't think they did practice yesterday. Maybe they did, but what we heard, they didn't. But uh, maybe they practiced after ten. I'm not sure how that all worked out. So we uh, have seen Bachmeyer possibly not play, but you know I've been following Jack Sears since he was in high school. I know the Utes recruited him. He got a start for SC and and watched him against Air Force. Uh, from BYU's perspective, you think it makes any difference? I mean, not what after Sears did to Air Force. And keep in mind that right. is Air Force. You know, this isn't a, a defense that's used to, uh, you know, going up against. They don't have the athletes to go up against a team that's going to air it out against them, right? I mean, they go every day in practice. They go against their triple option. Uh, but to your point, at this point, I don't think it does matter who they face a quarterback. We have Boise State. I mean, Boise State's a legitimate program these days, and they have been for the last decade or two where – uh, especially since Chris Peterson was there, but these guys just keep they, they keep replenishing their athletes, and they they've got great depth. Uh, they're a great program, and so when you're a great program, you've got that great depth. And so, uh, to, to your point, I don't think it does matter. I think BYU obviously will prepare for both of them, uh, but yeah, I think both of them bring uh, kind of the same thing to the table in the sense that they can both air it out, and they've got athletes on on the outside uh, with Thomas and Shakir that they they like to air it out. You've got a big tight end uh, and Bates, and so. Um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting how BYU can can keep these guys in check. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them go more man defense uh, and, and try to bring some pressure this game. I, I don't think you're going to see much of the drop eight like you like you've seen in games past. And you go back to last year's film, BYU, um, you know, had a four man front and and tried to bring some pressure against them, mix it up. So we'll see what happens. I, I think that's another intriguing storyline. And of course. If you, I watched that Air Force game. They had some injuries go down. The guys go down with injuries, um, and and it'd be interesting to see if they come back. You know, notably, um, they're they're running back uh, Holani. Uh, you know, we should see if he's back healthy. They're they're saying he's a kind of game time decision this week. So that's I guarantee that's one of the guys that um, the BYU staff is kind of eyeing and, and watching to see if he'll play. So I'm curious about the Broncos' defense. Uh, you know, defending Air Force, that's a totally different animal, right? So that doesn't tell you much about how they're going to defend BYU. And then you look at Utah State, and Utah State moved the ball against them a little bit in the third quarter. They had one good drive. They got another touchdown off a short field, off a special teams mistake. So they didn't have a lot of success, but their offense hasn't looked good over two games. Maybe it's because they play the two best teams in the league, but whatever. I, I can't get a read off Boy, on Boise's defense off these two games they've played so far. You've, got, you've watched a lot of film over your career. Do you see stuff that, regardless of the competition, you look at and say, okay, they're good at this, they're bad at this? What have you seen? Yeah, and to your point, two games this season, it's always tough to get a read on a team, right? I mean, that's what BYU was facing for, the, for those first two games as well. Uh, but we, yeah, I have watched both games, the Utah State game, and of course, the Air Force game last week from Boise State. And one thing that sticks out to me is, is we just mentioned earlier, they've got good athletes, but second of all, they're very well disciplined. Uh, so this is a team that doesn't shoot themselves in the foot, uh, and, and, and they're kind of not going to have busted assignments. They're not going to let the ball get over the top. Uh, so you have to really earn every yard uh, at your BYU's offense, and, and you know that going in uh, against our defense. And, and on the same flip side of the ball, their offense – 
they don't they don't have a lot of screw ups. I mean, they're they're very Simon sound. They're, they do what they're supposed to do. Great technique, uh, and and so you know that. And this is what happened last year when they came down to BYU. Funny how the, the scripts flipped it, right? They came down to BYU last year. They were the ranked team, and BYU was looking to knock them off. Uh, this year, BYU's ranked higher. Obviously, both teams are ranked. Uh, but you know, they're going, BYU's going up there and they're trying to knock them off. Uh, but if you look back at BYU's game last year, zero turnovers. And, and when you're going to get the Boise State team, uh, turnovers is a huge deal. And so uh, BYU's got to be, I think, at least even if not positive in the turnover margin to try to try to win one up there. And and that, that's even if you are the, the more talented team. I mean, anytime you play a matchup like this, uh, turnovers play a huge role in the game. As we saw from last year, that's how BYU was able to win the game. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, like I said earlier, it's a man, it's an intriguing matchup. It's it's a fun one. I, I, I you know, it wasn't for I think Clemson. I'm assuming Clemson and Notre Dame is where game day's going to. But uh, this would be right there on the on par with that as far as I think national exposure and and probably the more most exciting game this weekend. I remember when Bronco Mendenhall took over as head coach. And he said, as far as the BYU-Utah rivalry, one of the things that he did not anticipate was the level of emotion. And he thought his guys were, I don't know if out of control is the right word or phrase, but too emotional going into the game. And it was something he didn't anticipate, and he had to figure out how to channel the team's emotions in the proper direction and not get too overhyped. Well, they don't have Utah this year, and right now, without Utah State, I mean, Boise State is their biggest rival because it's been an ongoing series. Do you have any concern about being overly hyped for this game? You know, I would say in years past, maybe. Uh, and I, I will say this, it is a real deal. It is a real thing because when you get too hyped, I've been there in my career, uh, when, you're, when you're that amped up, especially for the rivalry game, you're so amped up, you're so excited. Everything's, you know, the whole week of preparation, sometimes your whole year's, kind of depending on this one particular game uh, that you, you come out and you exert all your energy in that first quarter <laughs> and you all, you got all that adrenaline pump. And the next, thing you know, you kind of hit this as high and next, you know, in the second half, you're, you're run out of energy. So there's gotta be a way to kind of calm down and sustain it. Uh, and, and so I, I think that is real with that being said, as I alluded to earlier, with the fact that these guys, uh, you know, are all kind of upperclassmen at this point, uh, offense and defensively, and they, they've seen Boise, they've played Boise, understand how big of a game it is. I think they'll be able to manage their emotions a little better than, than maybe uh, they would if, you know, when they went up there last time when Zach was a freshman and, uh, you know, Freddie Christensen was a freshman. I mean, you had a lot of guys playing that were underclassmen. Uh, and so I think that experience, and as you get older, obviously more mature, uh, that, that, help, that comes around and, and helps you in a situation like this. So, uh, I, I think they'll be able to keep it in check, and, and what, literally, that's that's Kalani's job. I mean, as a head coach, you got to have your guys ready, have your guys prepared, and and try to prep them throughout the week to, to contain their emotions and and try to try to make it uh, count whenever you're out there on the field and and do your thing. So uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how, how it happens. I think you know, telling stat, uh, Greg Rebella's tweeting earlier that uh, when BYU scores on the first drive uh, of the game, I think Kalani's uh, some crazy stat. Like, 10 and two or something like that uh, in games. Uh, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how, how the BYU offense comes out. We've seen games specifically Houston when they came out and, uh, you know, on the very first play when they got the ball through it for a touchdown. And, and we've seen that last few games last week as well. The very first play was a play action to Dax Milne for a 20 yard game. Uh, so eventually offensively, if they come out and try to attack Boise State or if they try to establish a run uh, and, and you saw what, what, 
the Boise State defense gave up to Air Force. Great, it is Air Force, and they just focused on the run last week. Uh, but they're obviously susceptible to the run. So be interested to see offensively what their scheme is and, and game plan is the first drive, whether they're going to try to air it out and put them on their heels or, or just trying to try to establish a run and cram it down their throat. I was a little surprised in the Houston game <clears throat> that the offense became so pass-happy and the run game really didn't produce. And, you know, it's a combination of, well, which do you give the better chance to produce and then what is producing over the course of the game. And, you know, they won the game and threw for 400 yards, but they didn't even rush for 100 yards in that. Do you think it's going to be more balanced in this game? And do you think that the BYU offensive line, tight end, running back included, can control the line of scrimmage. I mean, regardless of the yardage total, when I watch the game, am I going to see the BYU offensive line laying on the ground four yards downfield? Because when they are, it's usually a really good sign for anybody who's trying to run the ball. Yeah, it's a really interesting trend I've been watching this year about this BYU offensive line. They've actually really struggled to run the ball downhill uh, in between the centers. And BYU has kind of a zone blocking scheme. They, they try to do some out, outside stretch plays. Uh, but this year... Against certain teams, Houston being one of them, uh, they've really struggled to get one or two yards on just a simple, uh, you know, zone play uh, right at the middle. And and so we saw last week, BYU started to attack the edges. In fact, they did that against Houston as well when they attacked the edges. Uh, did a toss play or outside 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 zone or outside stretch. Uh, they were they were productive and, and got points and got yards. And so uh, I, I think BYU learning a little bit of, of kind of what their own strengths and weaknesses are. Obviously, you still have to keep the inside running game going, uh, but they, they've had a lot of success going outside. And a lot of that also do, has to do with BYU's receivers do, the, do a fantastic job of, of blocking downfield. Um, but as far as controlling line of screeners, I, I, I say the same thing. 100% it's going to be uh, in the trenches. That's where the game's going to be won or lost. And the stat that I'm looking at is, is BYU this year has only allowed uh, uh, five, I think it's five sacks. or they're, they're fifth in the country in sacks allowed. Uh, it's half a, half a sack a game. Uh, and I think that's going to be the biggest point. Can Zach have time to sit back there in the pocket and pick apart this Boise State defense? Um, and when he does have time, we've seen what, what he can do with the ball. When he's under pressure, as we saw at UTSA, he gets a little flustered. And, and I mean, naturally, it's going to be tough to, to make those completions. So um, I, I'm interested to see that. Of course, Boise State, they're ranked first in the country in pass defense because they face the Air Force team that obviously doesn't throw the ball. Um, so you look at the stats, number one in the country. Uh, you know, allowing only uh, 80 yards per game. But um, I think that's going to be the biggest one. Can this offensive line provide Zach the time? And as you lose to, can they also provide the push and the surge uh, in the run game? I think that's what uh, we'll, we'll see if, if BYU can put up the points. Do you think either team in any aspect of the game, whatever it might be, has a distinct advantage over the other? You know, we were going back and forth on this. I, I don't think so. I, when you look at the film, and once again, it's kind of too early with this year's team because of uh, Boise State team because they're only two games in, so you're still trying to figure out exactly who they are. And, and also that Air Force game, like you guys said as well, it's tough to really count it as a game because it's just such a weird game. I mean, your game plans, uh, I think when we played Navy, I told you guys, defensively, your game plan, you, you throw out your entire uh, – playbook and you put, we installed a whole new defense the week of Navy, which is obviously runs the same thing as Air Force. And so it's just tough to use that as kind of a measuring stick on, on how you're doing in the season. Um, so really only one game into the season for if you're Boise State. And so I think it's still early to say, uh, but you know, I, I think both, both teams are solid in all units and facets of the game. I think that's also what's so intriguing. There's not really a glaring weakness of either team 
that you can go out there and exploit. I mean, obviously the coaches might think otherwise, but when you look at both teams, you compare them, when you watch the film and when you watch the game, uh, you realize these are two very evenly matched teams. And then you throw the fact that it's up there in Boise. You would think that they would have the, uh, you know, they would have the advantage there. But of course, uh, as of right now, no fans. I know they're talking about trying to get 1,100 fans in the game, kind of mostly just family. So we'll see how that plays out. But even 1,100 is not going to make a huge impact. But um, yeah, I, I think that's, once again, I think that's why it's so compelling is because you got two teams that are great story programs. Boise State's had fantastic success these last, you know, just a couple decades. And, uh, and they're a ranked, a ranked opponent. And so once again, all this gets thrown into the, into the pot. And next thing you know, you've got uh, BYU Super Bowl this week. Well, David, we appreciate a few minutes. Enjoy the game, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. Yep, sounds good. Thanks, guys. There's David Nixon, former BYU linebacker, BYU TV personality now. When we come back, our college football insider, Riley Jensen. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Getting ready for a week of college football. An unusual week. Utah State and Nevada Thursday night. BYU and Boise State Friday night. And then Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock as the rain and possibly the snow starts to fall. It'll be the Utes and Arizona. We're going to talk with Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star at 9.05. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, is going to join us here momentarily. You listen to uh, David Nixon talk and you think, this is going to be a close game, isn't it? Yeah, and when he's finding no obvious weakness that either team can exploit, then you'd think that, uh, yeah, it's going to come down to the end, a couple of big plays. Turnovers. Uh, turnovers. Yeah, there it is. That can make a difference <laughs> in a football game. You know, who has more is at a distinct disadvantage when there is like that. But at the same time, uh, I can recall Bronco Mendenhall saying after a while he learned you anticipate a game and you expect something to happen and then the game gets going and something entirely different happens. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Good morning, Riley. What's happening, fellas? Well, we just talked some football with David Nixon, and he didn't see obvious glaring matchup problems for either team, which means there's no obvious advantages for either team, which makes us think close game, maybe turnovers, a couple of big plays, timely or untimely penalties, extending or killing drives, but a close game. Is that how you think this is going to play out? Uh, I definitely think that it's going to be a close game. I think there's a couple of matchups that I'm I'm really watching closely, and I I think that BYU's receivers so far have been amazing. So let me start by saying that I'm not sure that they've been tested in a man-to-man scenario like they're going to get tested with Boise State. And if Boise State, um, with their cornerbacks and their safeties who are, who, who are very good and are playing at a high level. It will be interesting to see what BYU can do with some of the rushes and some of the blitzes and some of the different things that um, 
Boise State will bring to the table. However, the way that I think that they can combat that is I'm starting to see a little bit of a pattern that teams can run the ball on Boise State. And so if they're able to run the ball effectively, which I kind of think they will, then that opens the game up a little bit as far as play-action passing goes. And I haven't looked up the stats in the last week or so, but but uh, Zach Wilson is com- completing a, t- a very high number of passes in the play-action game. And that could bode well for you for for BYU, um, but I'm I'm interested to watch this matchup between the cornerbacks and the wide receivers from BYU. And can these BYU receivers continue to make the catches that they've been making in tight man-to-man coverage, where they're physically being manhandled a little bit? Will they be able to figure it out quick enough and soon enough to win in those one-on-one matchups? I wonder in that case if that we see more of the BYU tight ends then. Well, yeah, I think I, I think that's what you want to happen. Um, I I think that if I'm if I'm doing a lot of uh, if I'm looking at a lot of man to man coverage, what you end up looking for is your best matchups, and the tight ends for BYU have been fantastic. But I also think the strong safety and some of these cover guys that are in the dime packages. I've been doing a really, really good job for Boise State. I mean, look, I don't think Utah State's receivers are as good as BYU's, but they couldn't even get off the ball. They weren't open at all in that game. Then when I watched, um, when I, you know, then when I, and so I'm just looking at this from an interesting scenario. But no question, the tight ends are going to be the matchup problem that you're looking for. But that means. 10, 11 play drives where you're you're hitting your tight end on a on a you know on a third and four, a third and five, keeping the chains moving, and that's just a lot more difficult to do on a continual basis. I don't see this being as high scoring as what BYU has been putting on the board, and I think that you know if, if you flip the ball over on the other side, both quarterbacks for Boise State are playing at a high level. They've got the one receiver that's playing at a super high level, and then they create matchup problems on that side. So if BYU can't slow them down, I don't see this being super high scoring, although I think both teams are going to score points. I see this in the the area of like a 28-24 game, a 28-21 game type of thing. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. Uh, to the uh, average fan's eye, I think it doesn't really matter which US, oh, which USC, <laughs> which Boise State uh, quarterback starts, whether it's Bachmeyer as their starter or USC transfer Jack Sears, who's uh, the backup. It seems like they get really good production. Now, Sears, it was Air Force. They've had a lot of guys opt out, so maybe that's not a fair test. But, man, he looked good. Do you think it matters a lot who plays? And if so, what is the difference? Well, I personally, I, I personally, out of the two quarterbacks, I like Bachmeyer better. Uh, I know Jack Sears comes with, you know, he's highly touted. I think he was elite eleven coming out of high school. He's a USC transfer. But when when I watch when I watch the efficiency in which Bachmeyer played, I just liked what he brought to the table. Now. The, the thing that Jack Sears brings to the table, maybe a little bit more than Bachmeyer's, is his ability to scramble and maybe get some yards with his feet. But I think Bachmeyer does a little bit better job of scrambling and keeping his eyes downfield and still looking for a play where Sears 
is looking to scramble and get yards right away. Both quarterbacks cause problems. Uh, my personal opinion is I, I, I like the way Bachmeyer has played better, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't have one or the other start and play really, really well, and maybe a combination of both and, and use both of them to attack the BYU defense. So here we are, man, the first week of November, and it's the first time this year that all three of our D1 teams are playing. Man, how cool is that (laughs) to be able to say that finally? So let's take a look at Utah with what they've got with the University of Arizona. Not expected to be good uh, by any stretch. Utah expected to win, and I think all eyes are on the quarterback uh, with you, what you know of Ludwig, and I know you know him pretty well. Uh, what do you see them doing, at least at the start, offensively, to get the quarterback going? Well, I think I think one of the misnomers with, with offensive coordinators is they don't have the ability to play to the strengths of their team within the context of their offense. I've seen I've seen Andy Ludwig. Ludwig run offense at the University of Wisconsin where they run the ball 90% of the time in some games. I've seen him where he's really, really opened it up and really thrown the ball around. I've seen it where he runs the quarterback. I've seen it where he doesn't run the quarterback. I've seen play action. I've seen not a lot of play action. He has the ability and the know-how to play to the strengths of, of Cam Rising. And, I, you know, I think <clears> – <throat> He's, he's been around so long that I know that he's made the right decision on the quarterback position, and he sees something that he can implement into his offense that's going to cause problems for defenses. I think the, the interesting part, and, and, and look, I think the schedule for Utah is, is perfect for them kind of easing into their offense. I think they're always going to play good defense. They're always going to play solid special teams. Offense sometimes takes a minute to get it going. But I think what, what we'll see is we'll see him with, you know, the run-pass option. We'll see him throwing the ball on the run a little bit with Cam in the pocket, trying to make sure that he can confirm what it is that he saw in practice is also true in the game. Because you have to remember, quarterbacks don't get hit in practice. And they're not able to scramble in practice, if you want to know the truth. That's why sometimes it's a disadvantage for a guy that can scramble to actually win the job is because you can't really see did he scramble and how far did he scramble and, and what did he really do with his feet until you get to a game-time situation. And so I think he's going to be testing that a little bit with Cam Rising. We know that he can run the ball and throw the ball. What will be interesting to me is if he can coach Cam Rising up the way that he did with Tyler Huntley to teach him to play his game, not a force game, like he doesn't have to show everybody that he can pass, he doesn't have to show everybody that he can run, that he just takes what the defense gives him. Because I think if Cam Rising runs within the context of the offense and runs when things are all shut down and he's looked through his first and second and third reads and then he takes off, he can be really dangerous. The scary part about a running quarterback is is, is if the first read isn't open and he takes off running, it can, it can be very problematic to the offense. 
Ronnie Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. Uh, the weather is supposed to turn Saturday. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be – does any of that impact the Utah offense? Or with all the changes, do they just line up and hand the ball off and Arizona's defense is bad and they're going to run it down their throat? If it's too nasty to throw the ball, so what? Yeah, I don't – look, in high school, I think – the weather affects the game a lot more than it does in college. Look, there's there's six footballs that the quarterback kicks out. They're all being dried. They're all, like, it's really not as difficult to play college football in a rain or a snowy type situation. If you're a quarterback, the thing that you hate the most is wind. I mean, if you if you watch the game, uh, you know, on Sunday, I can't remember which game I was watching. Oh, it was the, the Raiders. Yeah, and the Browns. Uh, and the Browns. I mean, it was wind that was affecting that game. It wasn't the sleet. It wasn't. The, it was the wind that was playing games with everything. And so that that's what takes away from you as a quarterback. I don't see it being a big deal. I think a, a defensive-minded coach like Kyle will be like, okay, it's snowing outside or it's raining outside. Let's make sure we pound the rock. But he just likes to say that. I mean, it's his ship. It's his personality. And, and, and he gets to say that as the head coach. I think that's always – um, going to be his default setting. But I don't think that it's going to be that hard for them to throw the ball as long as the winds aren't around 50 miles an hour. I think everything's going to be just fine. What can the Aggies do to get some kind of offense going? Oh, boy. it's um, It's been an interesting two weeks. Now, I will say this. They played the two best teams in the Mountain West Conference. Um, there's, there's some things going on up, up there as far as you know, effort goes and, and those sorts of things that I think Gary's trying to um, he's trying to address. But they need to get some sort of a break or they need to find somebody that can make a big play. I thought just before the half last game when, when Shelley broke out and, and kind of rolled to his right a little bit and made a really nice throw down the sideline in the end zone, I was like, okay, maybe this will build some momentum for them to get the offense going. But they're just not really able to do much of anything right now. Jalen Warren's hurt again. The offensive line isn't open up gaping holes, and I think they just need to clean everything up, and they need to realize, hey, you know, COVID or not, this is, this is, this is a season, and, and you've got to put your name on your work. I mean, whether you're an artist, you know, whether you're signing that marriage contract or whether you're signing your housing contract or – what uh, you know, signing for a new car, like you got to put your name on it. You got to, you got to be accountable to the fact that the job that you're doing is good enough. And I think that's probably what Gary's working on. I don't think I'm saying anything that Gary wouldn't say. But these guys got to, these guys got to. You can't feel sorry for yourself in college football, and it's hard to win college games if you're not paying attention to details. So I think that the Aggies have played the two best teams in the Mountain West Conference, and obviously neither game went well. But I think there's a pretty strong case to be made that Nevada is not only top half of the league, they could easily be one of the top three teams in the league. Are you buying that? Yeah. Because if you know, so, I, that, that means we could be another lopsided game here at Thursday night. It, it could be. I Look, Utah State has some things to fix. I think Nevada is playing very well. When I looked at the schedule, you know, the schedules came out fairly close together for the University of Utah and Utah State. I was like, geez, Utah State got pounded on this schedule. And when I looked at University of Utah, I was like, man, that opens up nice for them. And that's, that was just my gut feeling. 
um, you know, a few weeks ago when this was all posted. But I, I feel like it's measuring out that way. Um, but Utah State's got to turn it around. You, uh, COVID or not, you don't want to have a two-win, you know, two-and-five season. You don't want to have a losing season. So you got to start playing. you got to start figuring out, okay, we got we got to compete. We got to figure out how to leave our mark somewhere in this league and point out to people that, hey, next year when we have all these players back and when, that we're going to be ready to go. It's definitely been a slow start. It has not been a confident start for the Aggies. But I, I certainly think that there's room for improvement and, and an ability to play a lot better than what they're playing. It's not just because the players aren't good. The players aren't playing up to their potential yet. So you don't necessarily think it's a long-term problem with the program? I don't. I don't at this point. I don't think it's a long-term problem. I think this is just getting your mindset right. And look, everybody has the excuse of COVID if they want it. And right now, Boise State's undefeated, San Diego State's undefeated, and Utah State has two losses. They were all facing some of the same problems. And so you, you can't feel sorry for yourself. You got to you got to step up. You got to play, and you got to play with a, with a certain amount of pride. He's Riley Jetson. He's our college football insider. Riley, three days in a row of football. Now you're you're trying to raise young kids here. Can you just sit down and lock in on these games? Or are you going to have to pick and choose? <laughs> I. Um, it depends on my wife's mood. <laughs> if she looks at me cross-eyed, you know, what I try to do is say, hey, I'll take the one-year-old and I'll take the son, you know. Why don't you take Alexis and then I'll go and I'll try and watch the games. Um, but I record all of them and, and I sneak a lot of football in when she's not looking. Uh, and, and I feel confident saying that because I know for a fact she's not listening to the show. <laughs> But I will watch quite a bit of it, especially especially because you got the first game for the University of Utah, you got the big game for Boise State, and then I'm just really interested to see how Utah State responds this week. Well, Riley, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes, and we will talk to you again next week. You guys are the best, man. Thanks for having me on. There's Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Next up, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.